0: How many dimensions are there in the universe? And what does that tell us about God's interaction with human history? Find out on this edition of the Bellator Christi Podcast.
1: listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by BellatorChristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas.
0: Taking the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bill Tour Christie Podcast, and this is your host, Brian Chilton. Uh, we want to remind you that the Bill Tour Christie Podcast is a production of BillTourChristie.com, and we do encourage you to go to the website. And to uh, subscribe, by doing so, you'll receive all of the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. And we also encourage you to go to the Bellator Christie podcast, as we're found on several different apps on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. Uh, be sure to subscribe, and by doing and um, carry the podcast with you on the go. And be sure to share this information with individuals uh, wherever you may be on social media or. Uh, individuals you may come in contact with. We just encourage you to get the word out there about what we're doing here at Bellator Christie. Well, the Odd X Files music is, uh, played for a reason. We're going to, uh, talk about, uh, qu- kind of a bizarre, uh, topic today in, uh, the multi dimensional universe. I just, uh, finished a, uh, paper. Uh, for uh, my Emerging Christianity class coming up uh, I've got a, a, an intensive coming up here in a few weeks And be up there with uh, Dr. Daniel Mitchell And and, uh, and the class up at Liberty University And uh, the topic of my paper was on the It um, was actually a, a case for God's continual transcendence I'm, I'm arguing in the paper that uh, God continues to remain transcendent Beyond the scope of our space-time um, Even after creation God is Imminent in that He is uh, Involved with creation You know he, he does do Perform miracles And does Do different things In space and time But he also maintains That what I call In the paper Eternal time And that is uh, The time beyond time The time Not as we understand it But time of eternity And And um, now, I do make the case I don't argue for atemporality in the sense that time is static in eternity, but that they follow a succession of events much like what Alan Paget argues for in his uh, in his book uh, what he for what he calls uh, relative timelessness, that that there is a timelessness in eternity, but it still follows a uh, series of events. Like there would have been a time where God would have said, "I'm going to create creation," and then there would have been a time where He brought forth creation uh, as such. So, anyhow, not not getting to all that. I want to discuss though today on today's podcast a, a very interesting. Um, Corollary to the research that I that I did uh, that I had uh, performed for the paper and it's on um, It it goes into a bit of a string of string theory and let me just say first and foremost that string theory is Highly theoretical is highly theoretical and so um, it's not the type of uh, Science that you can do necessarily in a test tube per se uh, th- th- there's a high level of mathematics that, quite frankly, goes beyond my level of expertise as far as math goes. I have had many collegiate courses in mathematics, but not to the level and degree of you know uh, some of these higher uh, forms of mathematics. But um, not to the level of degree like what Einstein and some of these guys would have, would be doing, so I have to rely on some of the experts in the field. And one of the one of the great experts in the field, in my in my estimation, is Doctor Hugh Ross. Uh, he is from Reasons to Believe, uh, and uh, he uh, graduated with his um, uh, PhD in, uh, from the University of Toronto. and And his book Beyond the Cosmos is one that I frequented uh, regularly. And uh, he uh, is in his third edition now called "The Beyond the Cosmos: the Transdimensionality of God." And um, in this book he talks about uh, how God is transcendent and interacts with, with creation, but he notes that there is that the universe is far more bizarre than we ever imagined that it would be. In fact, he says on... um, Now, I I did some of my research with his second edition. The page numbers may be a little different. But uh, he he noted on um, page 25 of his book that... um, That uh, the... um, uh, Let's see, where where did it go? There's strong evidence that extra dimensions exist in the universe. There's strong evidence... For this, he says in his estimation. Um, and he also says on page 45 that there is, uh, that the, the physicists have found and discovered that the universe has at least 11 dimensions. At least 11 dimensions. And on um, a website that I found, I, I actually credit this to a good friend of mine up at uh, Liberty, Um uh, who uh, works, in? he's a missionary And he, he was talking about, uh, Andrew Proud is his name He he was uh, talking about this in class one time In a previous class About these extra dimensions that exist in the universe And he shared with me a website on ultraculture.com Or .org, excuse me uh, Going back to, to, to 2014, uh, December 16, 2014 uh, Gives a visual Explanation of these eleven dimensions, and I want to go through these dimensions, and I want to give you some some uh, some of my understanding about how this may help us understand how God interacts with how a transcendent God can remain transcendent and interact with the space time that we know. And so, let's start from ground one, uh, ground zero, and then and move from there. So, in other words, what is the first dimension? Okay, the first dimension would be what we know to be, uh, what we understand to be length. Uh, for instance, if you draw a line on a piece of paper, that represents its length. Okay, from, from a segment, from point A to point B, that's the length of the thing. When you measure something with measuring tape, that's, you're measuring the first dimension in so to speak, the length of something. Okay, so uh, it's the x-axis, a straight line with no other characteristics. Height is the second dimension. If you were to, to draw a square or a triangle on a piece of paper, that would be a two-dimensional thing. Uh, this is the y-axis. When the x, when the, the y-axis is the height that is added to the length, and it gives you a shape of some sort. Now, the third dimension is depth. Depth, or the z-axis can be added to the previous x-axis, which is the length of something, the y-axis, which is the vertical, uh, the nature of something, the, the height of something, and depth shows you how deep something is. So when you see something like a cube, a pyramid, or a sphere uh, that has depth to it, then you know that is a three-dimensional object. Now, the fourth dimension, it, we actually live in the fourth four dimensions we know about. Fourth dimension is basically, if you picture a cube, with a clock to the side of it. Uh, the fourth dimension represents time. And uh, time and its impact in the three di- previous three dimensions. That's the dimension, that's what we understand, as, that's the, the world in which we live. Those are the dimensions in which we live. Uh, length, height, depth, and time. Well, beyond that, there is a fifth dimension. And this is almost like the Twilight Zone, <laughs> you know, something like that. Uh, the fifth dimension, which is possible worlds, is a possible world that may be slightly different than ours from which we can measure similarities and differences to our own, poss- our own world. So it's, uh, worlds that, as, as it could be, okay? The sixth dimension takes this concept of a possible world. And extends it to a plane of possible worlds, numerous possible worlds, uh, possible universes with the same starting conditions as ours. Okay, so it's adding depth to uh, the the possible worlds that exist with a the same start time. The seventh dimension is a plane of all possible worlds, just like the the sixth dimension. But the only difference is that in the seventh dimension, you have different start times for each world. So you may have one world, that be, you know, one possible world that begins at twelve o'clock midnight. Another possible world that uh, uh, begins at one a.m. Another possible world that begins at, at noon. You know, so there are different starting conditions uh, in the seventh dimension. In the eighth dimension, uh, this is where it really begins gets, gets weird. Uh, This is a plane of all possible worlds, possible worlds that exist, all holding different start times, starting conditions, and each branching out infinitely. Okay, so this is a plane of all possible worlds, different start times, branching out infinitely. Um, And then the ninth dimension basically is the same thing as the 8th dimension all possible worlds starting with all possible start conditions and even each of these possible worlds holding different laws of physics in each of these possible worlds. And then the problem is that when you get to the 10th dimension Uh, At this level of... uh, This is infinite possibilities. At this level of complexity, everything is possible and imaginable. It's just, uh, you know, it's hard to even think past this 10th dimension that could exist. And then the 11th dimension would be the space beyond that. And it it would be really kind of hard for us to even fathom what that would even be. Um, But uh, there are... um, by, by, by the main understanding here is um, there are 11 dimensions, and I think by some possible uh, theories, bosonic string theory suggests that there may be 26 dimensions. So, so here's the thing. If there are 11 dimensions, if there are 11 actual, actual dimensions, then God would by nature have to extend past that dimension to exist in 12. Or even if there were 26 dimensions, then God would have to exist in the 27 of them. God is always going to be one dimension past what exists. So, uh, so what does this hold theologically? Now, again, this is really theoretical. I understand that. I grant you that. But guys like Ross, Christian astrophysicists like Ross, says that there, there are good reasons for believing this. Um, he even goes on to say on page 34 of his book that in this space-time theorem and its corollary, we find confirmation of the biblical revelation of a creator who exists and operates beyond our time dimension and who is in no more way confined to it. In other words, the creator's capacities include the equivalent of at least two, perhaps more, time dimensions. So with that, with that understanding, it would not be we would not have any reason to believe that god would be restrained by time in, in instance i also argue in uh, the paper that uh, the theory of relativity general theory of rel- relativity that uh, albert einstein discovered is that is one that uh, discusses the fact that gravity plays a role on time uh, when you get around black holes time almost almost stops. It slows down. It almost stops. So, if gravity, which is one of the weaker natural forces, can impact time, then why in the world could we, would we say that God could not impact time? Ross says that a system is defined by God's dimensions or their equivalent, which we know add up to at least 11, including one more, than one-time dimension it is speculated that while scientists can know about dimensions past ten one's understanding again as we noted uh kind of breaks down beyond this tenth dimension because we don't know how how that would even be uh you know we can know that it's out there but you know it's beyond our level of comprehension as to what that would even entail. So again, how does this impact our understanding of God? Well, I think Hugh Ross. I have. To, I like Hugh Ross's book Beyond the Cosmos. If you haven't found that out already, but he gives a graph on um, page one sixty nine of Beyond the Cosmos. Uh, on this third edition, I believe it is on. Um, let's see. I had it here just a few seconds ago. Um, It is in on page, um, well, let me see real quickly. Well, anyhow, um, I'm, I'm not finding it, but, uh, anyhow, long story short, this graph shows this circle and at the very top of the circle is a g representing god and then god uh, within this circle you see these these angles uh, branching out to a segment between u connecting u and e u represents the beginning of the universe E represents the end of the universe. B, there's another point in the segment that re- that represents the beginning of a person's life. D represents the death of a person in in this space time. And there's a letter P in the middle of it that uh, that demonstrates the uh, present time. And what? And I want to, I'll try to see if I can get this graph of this uh, picture on. Um, on the website I, if if it's where I'm able to if not you know I just have to direct you to his his material as page 169 of the second edition of the book but uh, anyhow in this he says that God even though he operates in a sequence of time in eternal time if you want to say that that his his level of understanding is where he can see you know, if you want to say, you know, by, by warping time, I mean, even people say that maybe time travel could be possible because of this. But nonetheless, God can see at all points of history. God can see at all points of history as it plays out. He is in all places, He is at all points, and He can see all stages uh, from this. So. God absolutely knows what's going to happen, and so one person, you know, some people would say, "Well, does that mean we really have free choice?" If God already knows absolutely what's going to happen, and I say to that, "Yes." If that makes me a compatibilist, so be it. But I think it is more along the line of what uh, Ken Keithley calls being a uh, holding a concurrent idea of humanity and free will. That is, that we have freedom to respond, but God already knows the free actions, and that doesn't necessarily take away our freedom to make those choices that we make. God just absolutely knows all the choices that will be made. So, anyhow, I know this is a complicated topic, but one of the things, i, I two things I take from this is, one, I think that God... Uh, is, he continuously remains transcendent. I don't think he loses his transcendent nature at the beginning of creation. He still remains, as, as we know in classical theological systems, that he still remains transcendent beyond the scope of space and time. If there are eleven dimensions, that only makes sense that God would be past those dimensions. Uh, so, so God is beyond the scope of creation, therefore time doesn't even hold uh, an effect on God he is not restrained even by time itself okay so furthermore I think that God can absolutely know with certainty things that happen in the past things that happen in the present and things that happen in the future with absolute certainty so when he makes promises when God makes promises such as Romans eight twenty-eight, that all things are going to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, I think we can take that to the bank and we can trust that what he says is true. So that's just a, just a few of my little insights for what they're worth uh, from coming from this research paper. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. May God richly bless you and we'll see you back next time that we step into the arena of ideas.
1: The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristy.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christy Podcast is a production of BellatorChristy.com and is protected under Creative Commons Copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment.